Welcome everybody back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. I got my co-host Matt here with me. We got a very important scrimmage to review. The green and white scrimmage was last night. The Jets uh, season is very close around the corner. We got our first preseason game against the Philadelphia Eagles this coming Friday. Matt, I know you're just as excited as I am. The season is almost here. We can finally stop saying almost in a very, very near future. As we are recording this, we are five Sundays from the season beginning, just over a month away. I cannot wait. Oh my God, yes. Finally, finally, just the the fact that we're not going to have another week without football, whether it's college or NFL uh, from here on out uh, is very comforting. Uh, it's got it's been too long. Uh, these off seasons seem to drag on more and more as as they get older for some reason. Uh, but, yeah, it's good to have them back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We had a really interesting game last night in the green and white scrimmage. Uh, It seemed different than some years past where it was more uh, of an actual scrimmage before and was more so practices this previous night, uh, this last year, which I think with the injuries the Jets had last year, um, especially in camp to Carl Lawson, not to name anybody specific, they're going to be a little more cautious as they have been for most of this season. Uh, So it was more practices, not so much of an actual game replication environment. But overall, I think the team had smarts uh, on both sides of looking good and still needing improvement. And that's kind of what you're expecting at this point in training camp, second year in the system, second year quarterback, a lot of young players. If you're not expecting perfection right away, but we have seen some growth. So first off, uh, biggest story is always going to be the quarterback. Zach Wilson uh, had a solid night overall. Uh, this is one thing uh, that fellow Jets X-Factor member and Michael Nanny pointed out on Twitter to not look so much at the actual yardage total because plays were pretty much blown dead right at the catch. And a lot of run after catch opportunities weren't given. So he had 100 yards on, I think it was 12 of 19, 12 completions on 19 attempts. He had, I think it was two touchdowns and a pick, uh, at least one touchdown. I know that. So again, looking at the stats, you're not going, oh, that's a blow your socks off, you know, performance. But he had a handful of opportunities on his completions where the receivers that caught the ball would have been able to catch and run and make bigger plays, but the play was blown dead because it's a practice situation. Uh, that's where it's kind of hard to judge stats off of this. One thing we can judge is the clips that we did see. This was not streamed to the public. Obviously, the Jets don't want to give out any of their plays and give free tape for other teams before the season starts. But we have seen clips from people that were in the stands and did go themselves. Uh, and we saw a really nice play by Tyler Conklin and Zach Wilson in the red zone where Conklin did a little in, uh, outside in release on Jordan Whitehead, shook him right at the snap, beat him inside and was able to catch ball for a touchdown. Zach Wilson fit the ball in a tight window, hit him uh, Conklin over the middle beat the linebacker. I think it was Quincy Williams was on the inside, beat him to the spot in that tight window in the red zone. And then conversely, we had a play with Zach Wilson throwing to another tight end in CJ Uzama, where he was blanketed by Delshawn Phillips and Delshawn Phillips able was able to come down with an interception. Zach Wilson kind of just made a bad play and threw a ball into coverage. There's really no other explanation besides that mm-hmm. up and down from the quarterback overall positive, more bad, more good than bad. But we still have some work to do. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, uh, from the clips I saw, it looked like Zach was very confident. Uh, and he was putting the ball in mostly the right spots for a lot of uh, a lot of uh, reps. Uh, I did see a lot of drops. Uh, I hear there was a good amount of drops from yes. just about everybody. From Davis I believe it was at least Smith, four. Uh, so that, that needs to get sewn up. Uh, Uh, pretty quickly because uh, that was something that plagued him last year as well. Uh, And it's going to really kill drives if if those drops continue. Um, 
but he seemed more uh, at ease with himself and his decision making uh, for the most part. And he looked like he was really starting uh, to get in a rhythm with uh, Conklin specifically. Uh, and I think uh, people are going to be pleasantly surprised by uh, how much Conklin is going to be used in, in this offense, maybe even more than CJ. Uh, and I think rightfully so, because I feel like he's more the, the two-way tight end, uh, more of a blocker, but also has that physically imposing uh, physicality to him that uh, will really benefit him uh, in the middle of the field and really blocking out blo- uh, linebackers and safeties uh, like he did with uh, against Quincy and, and Whitehead. Uh, yep. He just really looked at ease finding that seam uh, and taking it into the end zone. Uh, I am looking forward to that relationship uh, really blossoming. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, uh, Gardner looking every Absolutely. bit the, the 6'3 monster that he is uh, and showing off his, his quick feet and fluid hips to really smother Elijah Moore. Uh, 5'10", runs a sub 4'4", 40, uh, and really just blanketing him and taking him out of the play. Uh, seeing that so early, uh, and it's something that's happening every day at practice, it seems, not just in this green and white scrimmage, but yep. every day. Uh, so consistency from him uh, is really going to go a long way towards consistency in that defense. Uh, I really like that the secondary is really coming together and being a solid group because a lot of teams are going to see that and maybe shy away from throwing uh, into these this kind of coverage and maybe really focus more on their run game, which is maybe what our uh, the offensive coaches are really looking forward to. They really want to make teams one-dimensional, uh, and they prefer that dimension to be the run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going back to Sauce Gardner really quick, I I am so excited for him because my one question with him, and I thought he was great. He was my number one corner in this class. Like to have him, I think, I think I had him fourth overall uh, on my big board. If he was definitely in the top five, if not four, he was three. I had a huge grade on sauce Gardner. I thought he was great. My one question, and I wouldn't even really call it a concern. It really was more of a question was how he would handle guys like Elijah Moore that are smaller, that are shiftier, that can make quicker cuts because being six, three, and just being the size that he is, it's harder for him to be twitchy and he's very twitchy for his size. That's what makes him so great. I didn't realize he was that twitchy. And the fact that we've now seen it against a guy like Elijah Moore, where he's got him covered and blanketed in his hip pocket for 95% of the route. There's a slight bit at the end when Moore gets vertical, when he starts hitting that extra gear and sauce is slightly starting to trail him. But that's when his 6'3 frame comes into play and his incredibly long arms come into play because there's no throwing window, even though Moore has a step on him. Just with his height alone, he's taken away the throwing window with the size disadvantage between Sauce and Elijah Moore being smaller. But then you factor in his arm length and any ball that's even going to be attempted is going to be swatted away, if not outright intercepted. I think and he did that also. Yeah. And his patience the whole time. That's exactly the next thing I was going to say is that he, that was basically a triple move from Elijah. 
is he starts with a little bit of an inside kind of like shallow curl and then starts accelerating, gives a little nod to the inside again, and then breaks more as kind of like a, a shallow corner route towards the sideline or a slot bait. And Sauce is just sitting there in his hip pocket, shuffling with him, quick matching his feet, mirroring, and just never loses ground. It was, it's an incredible rep. It really is. And I'm just, I'm so excited for the limitless, quite honestly, potential of this guy. I mean, he can, there's not anything that he can't do. If he can cover guys like Elijah Moore like that, one-on-one, man-to-man, and stick with them in their hip pocket through the whole route, and also be every bit of 6'3", and be physical, and body up bigger corners, and make plays in the ball the way that he does, Good luck. This everybody. dude. Yeah. This dude could be as good as he wants to be quite honestly. Yeah. It, it's amazing. And I, when I see a lot of rookie uh, defensive backs early on, I see them really opening up their hips early, trying to get a jump on things uh, because they're not so sure of their ability just yet, but no, him, he was patient from start to, to finish. He didn't open up those hips at all until the very last second. And it really showed in that rep, how, uh, everything just kind of comes together to be a dominant force. Yeah. And I've said this before and I'll say this again, the best prospects are the guys that are elite athletes, elite technicians and elite students. When you have those combination of traits, it's basically impossible for you to be a bad player. You may not be incredible. You may not be a hall of famer, but you're not going to suck. Sauce Gardner is one of those guys where you just know with every ounce in your heart that he's going to be at the very least solid and a successful starter in the league. His athleticism is top-notch. His study habits are top-notch. His technique is top-notch. There's not really anything to question with him. The only concern would be, understandably, as a bigger 6-3 corner, how is he going to cover smaller, shiftier receivers who can be more agile than him? Well, if that's not a problem either, then what can he do? Exactly. You you really got to dig deep and nitpick uh, to really find something to drag him. And you know what? I'm sure he's doing that because uh, he seems like the, the kind of guy that will really uh, file everything down to the most granular uh, detail to find something to work on. And he'll work on it. He's not going to be happy until he's the best that he can be. And he'll be a harder critic than any of us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's been the first player on the field. We've heard from multiple reports, numerous days of practice at this point where he and Zach Wilson are there early and he goes up, talks to Zach Wilson. They communicate, try and and help each other out. I know we just mentioned that last week. Um, that's that's exactly what you want to see. And you got to have confidence as a corner. You have to. It's a necessary trait. It's not a, it's not a question. And even it doesn't have to all be flashy trash talk. I'm, you know, letting everyone know you're the best. You but you have to have supreme confidence and you have to trust that you can cover whoever lines up against you on any given play at any given time and be able to handle them all over the field. Sauce Gardner has that level of confidence and he has the ability to back it up. I, I'm I have really high expectations for him. And I know yeah. the Jets do too. And that's the other thing I want to point is you think of like the whole team. I heard Carl Lawson say it again today. Salah's repeated it more than once. Oh, he's not sauce yet. He's a mod. He's he's mm-hmm. AG is what Salah calls him. That you know they have to they have to he has to earn that nickname. He has to go out and prove it first. He's been good. He's been okay. He's had an incredible camp. 
Like, let's just be be honest here. He's had an awesome camp. There hasn't been a, really a bad day from him yet. And they're still saying, oh, he's got to earn it. He's got to go out and, and prove it because that's the type of motivation that they know he's going to respond to. And then he's it's going to result in making him even better in the long run. They have all pro aspirations for this kid. And it's it's obvious. And as, quite honestly, it's hard to think anything else. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I think he's still platooning with Hall, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think although, they're alternating reps, yeah. Still alternating. Although last night, Hall did get the majority of first-team reps because I believe Reed was out with a hamstring injury. Yes, uh, Reed did not play. It didn't sound like it was anything major, uh, just more precaution than anything else, and I'll, I'm happy about that. Uh, and overall, last night, injuries, I think, were, pretty, were down, except for maybe Connor McDermott, who went down with a uh, lower leg injury, maybe knee. Uh, I think we need clarification on that. Uh, for the most part, I, I'm I'm happy if 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 the most that happens is we lose probably somebody that wasn't going to make the team anyways. Uh, throughout this this whole process, it has really has me on like pins and needles, just waiting for the hammer to drop on with with these injuries. But so far, so good. Uh, so I'll be happy and until I'm not. Uh, and the injury to McDermott's kind of also forces the issue with depth along the tackle group. Uh, and there's not a lot there. And in attendance for the green and white scrimmage was Dwayne Brown. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dwayne Brown at joining this team, quite honestly, would be bigger than Morgan Moses joining it last year. I, I fully believe that. Uh, this is this guy is a multi-year pro bowler. He has been a, a stalwart in the NFL for as many years as he's been in it. Uh, he's durable. Uh, he's experienced. He's another big body type of tackle that matches what they already have in their starters in Fant and Becton that can be a mentor for them. This is uh, He's also former teammates with George Fant, and, and he already knows him uh, from his time in Seattle. He knows DJ Reed as well. Mm-hmm. So... He's got some familiarity with the players that are here. He knows Coach Sala, who knows him from uh, Coach Sala was in uh, Houston as uh, I think he was the linebacker coach when he was drafted by the Texans. Obviously, spent some time in Seattle, played against him when he was in Seattle with the 49ers. There's some history there. This is the solidifier, if not close to it, but as bad as good as we can hope for before the season starts for our tackle depth. And it's one of the main lacking depth uh, spots on the team because Joe Douglas has done such a good job of building this roster. You get Dwayne Brown in. We need to be very clear about this. He's never played a snap of right tackle in his life mm-hmm. in the NFL. Yeah. He will be fans back up at left tackle. That then frees either Adoga, McDermott, Max Mitchell, any of the that group to stick on the right side fully practice on the right side and be dedicated to be Makai Becton's backup at right tackle. That way right now, you know, you have a counterpoint. I, I am not completely sure of that. What happens if Becton goes down, for instance, and would they feel more confident in using a Doga or Mitchell at right tackle, or would they maybe throw a little bit more disruption into the mix, move Fant over to right tackle and put Brown in at left tackle? I think that's a possibility, but my only thing with that is they just saw how much better Fant was at left tackle than right tackle, enough so to move Makai. So if 
that happens, is Fant at right tackle still better than the guys you have backing up your right tackles? And if that's the question, is Fant at right tackle better than Becton at right tackle? That's like, well, that to me is kind of, right. But I'm sitting here thinking, they have Fant on the left side for a reason. Yes. I feel like in the middle of the year, for however long an injury might be to Becton, moving Fant over, having him play on the right side where he hasn't been practicing, also coming off an injury, and having Dwayne Brown slide in at left tackle, I feel like it is not going to be any better than the guys that you're going to have as dedicated backups and might end up being worse. Yeah, if, if that's how they feel, then yeah, absolutely. Just keep him at left. Uh, I mean, it kind of really limits the the Brown uh, signing. Well, he hasn't signed yet, but uh, if he's only fans backup, I, I feel like that's kind of limiting. Uh, has anybody said anything about him maybe being swing? They haven't. I haven't seen anything that said he will or won't. I just know that he has never played right tackle. Yeah. And that to me doesn't seem like now would be the time for him to start doing it. I think it would be more logical considering they need depth on both sides that they would have a guy they know is a dedicated good left tackle to keep as their left tackle. Yeah. And and have him be fans backup, especially because fans not healthy either. And that's that's kind of the other thing we have to realize here is both of our starting tackles are on pitch counts right now. We're five weeks from the season that they're having. Fant hasn't even gone through a full day of practice yet. We're five weeks from the season. If anything, I think this is we're worried about Fant, And so we're bringing Dwayne Brown in, hopefully assuming he signs as the backup tackle to Fant in case Fant gets hurt or he's not ready and, and or he can't you know, has a, a setback and isn't cleared for week one or something disastrous that happens. This is fan insurance to me. I, I, so I have a, I, I, I take issue with saying that it's a fan issue more than it's just, we need depth issue because I, I, as we know, as of right now, fan will be our starter week one, barring an injury. So they have enough confidence in these two tackles between him and Becton to say that they will be starting. And that's what it is. And as of right now, I believe Fant to be a lot better than Brown. Uh, Brown definitely offers a lot. Uh, he's been a great starter for a long time now. Uh, but at this point in their careers, I believe Fant, at, if he could pull off what he did last year, is a better left tackle option. And I, I got into this argument yesterday uh, where you have a guy like Lawson who's also coming off an injury, how they're more worried, might be more worried about Lawson getting injured than maybe uh, Franklin Myers. And I would say, yes, they probably are a little bit more concerned because yes, they are more likely to be re-injured. But at the same time, the solution to that is the same as the solution to the problem of JFM getting injured is depth. So really, we just need depth. It doesn't really matter who it is. It just needs to be somebody that has the ability to come in off the bench and be an adequate starter in this league 
for however long we need him. And Brown definitely offers that. Yeah, he does. Uh, and and I think you made a great point in that I do think that the idea is that Brown will be left tackle backup and will be LT2 in the event that Fant were to go down. But you're right. It is more about depth. It is more about having insurance plans and having things ready in case of an injury in a violent sport with players that are facing contact on every snap. So I, I agree that it's overall, it is about depth and having Dwayne Brown added in, assuming it happens will help the depth on the right side as well. Like I said earlier, by giving those guys that are left, whoever it ends up moving to be dedicated to that side time to work on just that side. Yeah. And, and however much that's an improvement, it's going to be an improvement and you can, is it, would it be as much as signing another multi-year starter pro bowler right tackle to be Mekhi Becton's backup? No, but the best you can do in August and getting a former pro bowler to be your backup. Well, I agree. I think Fant is the better option right now with youth and, and how well he played last year factored in, but you could do a heck of a lot worse than Dwayne Brown as a backup left tackle. And a lot worse. <laughs> and you could do a heck of a lot worse of a combination of a backup of a right tackles of Adoga McDermott and Max Mitchell. That's not ideal, but we're talking about backups and we still have options at backup. It's not like all of our eggs are now on Chuma Adoga's basket saying if something happens to Becton, we only have Chuma Adoga. And if that's it and if he can't do well, we're screwed. They have some time to work things out, and I really think it's going to be a huge deal. I really hope this happens. Uh, it seems like all signs were pointing to it happening. Uh, I'd be kind of surprised at this point if it doesn't. Um, so I really hope that it ends up happening because I think it's going to be one of the last missing pieces to finalizing this roster before the season starts. Yeah, we're, we're recording this on Sunday, and as of right now, I hear that Dwayne Brown is still in the building meeting with the team. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's a lot of interest on both sides. Um, so I, I really hope they get this done in the next day or maybe even later today, uh, and we don't need to worry about it anymore. And then I can comfortably say that every position on our offense uh, has the starters and the depth behind them to be comfortable with. Uh, I can't say that so much for the defense because I still worry about the interior defensive line depth. But I think if that's the only position is an interior defensive line, uh, um, I think that's a win overall in team building. It absolutely is 110%. All right, Matt, we got one more thing to talk about before we look ahead to the preseason week one matchup with the Eagles this coming Friday. And there, that is going to be the topic of the well-storied, well-traveled, up and down career of Denzel Mims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I want to speak on this a little bit because there was some rumors that came out that seemingly are just rumors and are not have any truth to them that Mims was potentially looking to ask for a trade and other reporters that cover the jets full time for a living were able to come in and say, well, his agent was in the building, but no one's asking for a trade and no one's asking for anything else. And he seems happy and confident where he is. I want to talk about Denzel Mims and what, he can do for this offense because there's a role for him. And I really think there's an underrated role for him where if he can prove to be the caliber of player, we've all hoped he can be after finally getting a true off season with the same coaching staff and not being injured or not being sick or not having to miss time or not having to come in as a rookie during the COVID year where you don't get an off season. 
if he can hit that potential, he's going to be a piece on this team. He's going to be an important one for the exact reason, like you said, Matt, depth. Someone has to be Corey Davis's backup. Mm-hmm. Someone has to be the guy to be a contested catch artist, to be someone to catch the routes over the middle in traffic and not be the one that's going to get it in wide open space and run. Someone's got to be a big target in the red zone that's not our tight ends. That's Denzel Mims. There really isn't too many other people on this roster other than Denzel Mims that fit that sort of mold. And if he doesn't reach his potential and he doesn't live up to what he can do, it's going to be really tough for him. That said, I think we're going to see a better Denzel Mims this year. I think, like I said at the start, he already got a much better offseason program than anything he's had through his pro career at this point, entering the third year of his career. That's going to be huge. His biggest issue last year was being behind on the playbook and the Jets coaches wanting all of their receivers to know every spot so that they can line up anywhere and be versatile. Well, if you're coming in behind and you're coming from a college offense that wasn't very complicated to start with, you're going to have some catching up to do that. Put him behind to put him down the depth chart. They had other guys that were ahead of him. Obviously they had Elijah Moore as a rookie receiver who was making a lot of noise. Corey Davis was just signed for a lot of money. He got pushed down. That's not going to be diff- the same this year. He's going to know the playbook. He's going to have, have had time to, to learn other positions and learn his spot and in and out. And most importantly, he's finally healthy. Mm-hmm. I listened yeah. to him talk yesterday. He's lost. He said like 15 or 20 pounds where he's, he's down to about 205, which is more of round where he was playing in college. It seems like he's in good shape. The fact that he got slimmer to me says he knows that this is an offense that's very precise and very detailed and has a lot of quick, precise cuts that need to be made. So he's going to try and slim down to get trimmer faster, quicker, and be able to run the system better. We know he's fast. He ran a 4-3-9 at the combine. We, we know he's got speed. We know he can win contested catches. We've seen it in his short pro career. We've seen him be able to do that. He blocks his tail off. A factor in the run game that the Jets want to feature very heavily in their offense. I really think he's going to have a role. And I don't think the Jets want to trade him because I think they know that if Corey goes down, we got no size in this receiving room. And we need someone to be a big body when we go against teams that are going to have a bunch of small light DBs that can keep up with all of our speed. I think Denzel Mims is going to make an impact this year. I don't know how much it's going to be. I don't know how far, how great he's going to be this year, but I don't think he's getting traded. I don't think he's getting cut. I don't think he's an afterthought. I think he's going to be a part of this team. I do as well. Uh, I really can't see us going into the season with only five wide receivers. It seems very detrimental to this group to not have that depth. Uh, and I really think that he does have that potential. Like you said, he's come into the camp incredibly in shape uh, and looks very determined to prove himself out there. And as of right now, I believe he's kind of showing that, uh, but we don't know for sure. Uh, part of me is like, oh, we can't really give up this guy as, as depth. We, we need this depth. But then the other part of me also knows that he hasn't really shown anything on the field yet in a game situation. And until we really see him in that 
game situation, really putting uh, it all out there, seeing if his the work that he put in this offseason to get to where he is actually factors in on the field. Uh, we have yet to see that. So I am hesitant to say that he's guaranteed a spot because until I see that, I, I, I just don't know. And I feel like there's also a point to be made about his availability on special teams. Uh, he never played a special team snap in college. Uh, I know they tried him out last year, uh, but he's been he working was, at it all but, spring, but he's been working at it all spring this year. Uh, so if he can really find a role on special teams, I think that'll go a long way to helping him really sew down that, that last spot, or maybe even overtake Jeff Smith. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, you asked me right now, as we're sitting here five weeks away from the season before any cutdowns have really started, what's going to be on the 53 and how many receivers are they going to keep? I think they're going to keep six. I yeah. think it'll be Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Braxton Berrios, Corey Davis, Jeff Smith, and Denzel Mims. And I think they're going to be perfectly happy with that. I think that's yeah. what they want. So I, like you said, I'm not going to sit here and, and say it's a guarantee, but Mike, that's what my gut says. That's what my brain says. I'd be surprised if he's cut. I'll say that. I would be surprised too. I think we can make cuts elsewhere uh, without really looking at a depth chart right now. I'm not sure where. Uh, if I, I, I would say probably along the defensive line. Yeah. Uh, since that's where the most meat is right now. Uh, I know that they want to keep that depth for rotation, but at the same time, there's a lot of, especially on yeah. the interior and I would be hesitant to really cut a guy uh, with Mims uh, ceiling for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I, no, I agree. Kind of where I stand. I agree not to go off on too much of a tangent, but you know who I think is going to be a surprise cut that no one's expecting and is going to be like really shocked by when it happens, but I'm not going to be at all. Hmm. Who? Kenny Yaboa. Uh, I haven't heard him mentioned once this summer. They have Cager moved to tight end. They signed two more and drafted another one. I think they're going to keep four tight ends, not counting maybe Wesco. If he's going to end up being more of that fullback role, I'm not quite sure where he's going to fit in, but I can't see a spot for Yaboa on this roster. Yeah, right now I'm not either. Uh, At the same time, I, I don't know if they're sold on on four tight ends. Uh, that I, I, did we have four last year? Going, to, I thought we had three. I think and we then, had four. But did I, we have four? I, I, I might was, be including. It was Croft, Griffin, um, Brown, 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 and Yaboa were the four. Yeboa. Okay, all right. Well, if we go into four again, yeah, I kind of have a feeling that last spot will probably be Cager as of right now. Cager seems to have had made an impression on a lot of people, yep. uh, especially at OTAs. Uh, not sure about camp so far, but uh, I don't know. Even, even that seems kind of meh. Cager <laughs> uh, is making the change from wide receiver to tight end uh, until I see it on the field uh, where he really impresses me. Then I don't, I don't know. Uh, even, even there sounds like a reach uh, when it comes to making space for, for Mims. Yeah, it's it's certainly possible. I think Cager is going to have a spot. I think I think Cager and Mims will have spots, quite honestly, because I think they've 
I think they've really gotten into the hearts of the coaching staff, Cager yeah. especially. I, I've heard you hear a lot of talk from the coaches about him and how he's handled the transition, how he's been willing. He's been fighting as a blocker. He's been doing better than that. And they expected, and he's still got his receiving chops. I, I think he's made an impression. I think he's going to stick. And I think Mims has too. Yeah. And if we think about out of those three names that we just mentioned, Yoboa, Cager or Mims, if we were to cut any of them right now, I think Mims and Cager maybe probably get picked up. Uh, but I think Yoboa probably slides through into the practice squad. I I would be more expecting of Cager or Mims to be picked up. Mims more than anybody. Yeah. And yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Yoboa found his way to the Especially practice squad. Mims. Yeah. All right, let's close things out, Matt. Let's get into this coming preseason matchup. Preseason week one on Friday night against the Philadelphia Eagles. This is going to be an interesting matchup because as of right now, we haven't really heard how much any starters plan to play, if at all. I'm not expecting them to be playing much in the first preseason game. Um, In fact, I'm going to go out and bet that they don't play any snaps. So none, not in week Hmm. one. I feel like they played at least a series or two in last year i might I think be making that up terrified of injuries i think yeah the everything points to them being extra cautious this year in every aspect so i wouldn't be surprised at all if they didn't play at all uh i think maybe uh in the secondary you, you'll, you'll see hall maybe or uh pinnock and, and yeah. joiner maybe just because i think things are a little less clear at free safety um but yeah, maybe may, I, I can't see Lawson out there. I can't see Becton nope. and, and Fant really absolutely put, not being put at risk out there for sure. Um, They're on pitch counts in practice. I'm not going to expect yeah. them to be playing in a preseason. By Friday? Not by by Friday, Friday, yeah, no thanks. Um, yeah, I guess that's – and that that probably reverberates too because if you're not going to have Fant or Becton out there, then you're not going to want to see Zach. There. Yeah, you're not going to have Zach out there. Uh, and if you're not going to have them out there for Zach, then you're probably not going to have them out there for uh, Hall or Carter either. So, uh, but I, then again, now that I just say Hall, it makes me think that maybe the rookies might see some action. I could see the rookies seeing some action. I think them being rookies makes things different. And we also have to remember with the rookies in particular, outside of maybe Sauce, but even he still kind of fits in here. All of the rookies have positions where they're they're not going to be the outright single-handed starter, and there's no yeah. one else that can fill it. Where Garrett, there's other receivers. Sauce, like I said, you have Bryce Hall as another corner. Where uh, sure they have high expectations for Sauce, and they wouldn't want him to get hurt either. But it's not like Zach as the quarterback as a rookie, where he's your starting quarterback, and if he goes down, that's a huge problem. Jermaine Johnson's a defensive end. They have plethora of defensive ends. You know, there's. I think you're going to see some rookies playing. I don't think you're going to see the major starters. No, no. Yeah. I, I, I can sign on to that. Uh, they really want to show off uh, their backup quarterbacks. Uh, they definitely want to show off their uh, maybe third, fourth and fifth string running backs to see who maybe uh, sneaks onto this roster as maybe the third or fourth running back. Uh, and then, yeah, then it's more about just sifting through this, the, the safety positions just to see who's really going to be fitting in. Uh, yeah, we, there's no real rush to get our stars on the field and put them at risk. Uh, I am all in favor of, of uh, caution here. Uh, yeah. 
let's let's um, let's do it. <laughs> don't yeah, don't blame it all. Uh, not at all. Not at all. Uh, and I think looking at the Eagles specifically, there are going to be some things that we can learn from this game, even if the starters end up not playing much. I think obviously you're not going to expect to see the the full unveiling of everything. You're going to have pretty vanilla uh, defenses and offenses, but overall the Eagles are a very good running team and they have been for the last couple of years. So I would assume that that's going to be one thing we can see is even the second line. How do they handle the run game? Does it seem like there are some new keys or some new, some new cues for the defense when it comes to the run game? How are the, is there any defensive line shifts? Is there any front shifts from linebackers? As are we dropping safeties down? Are we loading the box? Just general sort of tendencies that might be different because even though the coverages might be basic and even though the play calls overall might be pretty basic, you're, the keys and the reads and how defenses are taught to defend, that's not changing. That's the point of the preseason is to show the action of what you've been working on in training camp so you can put tape out if you're one of these backup players, show the rest of the league what you're capable of, including the team you're on at the moment. So I'm really hoping we see some new wrinkles in defending the run. I'm hoping we see some defensive line shifts. That's my big key is the jets didn't really like to shift too much before the snap. Their linebackers would move around a little bit, but their front would pretty much be where their front was. And it really made it easy for teams to design counters or traps and, and just get into gaps that were left open and take advantage of the jets defensive line being aggressive. I'd like to see some adjustments there. Yeah, that, that'd be really nice to see. Uh, just any kind of change really along that front. Uh, just because the, yeah, like you said, they were very hesitant last year uh, and it showed in how much we gave up on the ground. Uh, so yeah, if we can see any kind of improvement or changes being made, that would be more than welcome. Uh, I really want to see uh, who pulls away as our backup quarterback uh, and see if somebody really, uh, boost their stock to the point where maybe we're talking about a trade later on. Um, maybe, but I'm going to be honest. I think the quarterback two job is already Joe Flacco's and I don't think they want to trade him. And I think he's the only one that's going to get trade offers. You don't think there's, there's any scenario where Mike white really impresses and they feel okay. Moving on from Flacco. No, no, I think I, I really think that Mike White is as not going to be able to show enough at this point to overtake Flacco. I, I saw said it himself. He thinks Flacco should be a starter, that he's good enough to be a starter yeah. and that they're very fortunate that they have him on as a backup and have that security. And on top of that, just being an example for Zach Wilson and their other young quarterbacks, including Mike White and how he goes about his business, how he game plans, how he studies what he keys in on, what he pays attention to, what he doesn't pay attention to, and how that's rubbed off on the rest of the quarterback room. I can't see a world in which Flacco's traded. I don't know. All this talk about a backup quarterback, though, it just sounds a little too, I don't know, like it's deliberate in trying to maybe boost his trade value. I I don't know. Maybe. I think it's situational. I think if which I'm thinking if are they going to keep three quarterbacks, I'm not sure if Mike White maybe gets to the practice squad, but I feel like he'd be claimed. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. My gut says that Flacco is going to be on the team as the backup, and that's going to be how it is. 
if a, a random team has their starting quarterback get injured that had playoff aspirations that doesn't want to completely tank and throw their season away, could I see them making an offer that's too good to refuse because they're desperate? Possibly. Could that get Flacco moved? Maybe. But I genuinely think that that the way the Jets are talking about him is more of like a, we're really glad we have him mm-hmm. and we sh- probably shouldn't. Yeah, and that, more than likely, like right. sitting there being like, no, he's like a, a starting caliber quarterback. And like, we're kind of screwing him by making him our backup and not giving the opportunity to go play yeah. and start. But, but we're really glad that he's here anyway. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy either way, whether, uh, because if, if, to be honest, if we're looking at our backup quarterback as uh, being a primary quarterback for us, we're already kind of in trouble. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a much bigger problem than who it is going to be and how many quarterbacks they keep and whether they get traded or not. So I'm I'm not thinking about that. I'm hoping that Flacco is on the team. I really appreciate what he has brought in uh, attitude wise and how much the coaches and Zach Wilson himself have all talked about the impact he's had. Uh, that's important. And especially for for a young guy like Zach that we saw had his head spinning at the start of the year as a rookie, Mm -hmm. having that guy in the building to watch how he processed, watch how he game planned, watch how he attacked things, how he went about in the meeting rooms when he got the opportunity to play. And if y'all don't remember, Flacco had a game where he started against the Miami Dolphins. He played really well. It was one of the better quarterback performances the Jets had all year last year. And Zach Wilson got to watch how he did it. So I, I really think that that's a, a really important part. And and the Jets know they're good. They know they have talent. They know that, God willing, something happens to Zach Wilson. They don't want their season to be ruined because they think they can be competing. I think that's the other reason is it's like you get rid of your good backup quarterback. That's something teams that are bad can do. Like when you're not worried about winning and you're not concerned about saving your season, you can get rid of a good backup. The Jets aren't in that boat anymore, or at least they don't think they are. Agreed. Yeah. You're, it, every point you're making screams. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of sense. Um, I don't know. I just feel like JD's wheeling and dealing uh, mind is always at work and we really can't count anything out. No, no, we can't. And Matt, you know, just about as well as anybody that I can scream as many well-sounding rational points into the wind as possible. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to be wrong anyway. Yeah. All true. We, we've, we've done the same many times, especially with the draft and, and uh-huh. we'll, we'll always walk away like, Oh, you know what? This also makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had perfectly valid reasoning for what I was saying, but that does not mean that that is going to be the case. Yep. All right, that does it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening in. We're very close to the season, very excited to get things going. I'm very looking forward to recapping a first preseason game. We get some actual live game action, go through the back end of this roster, really find out who's going to stick and who's going to be let go. I cannot wait for cut down days, some of my favorite days of the year, uh, just in the sense that the season is coming close and also to see where the other chips and players that get let go, what surprise additions Joe Douglas might be had, like you said, Matt, He's a wheeler and dealer. So let's go ahead and drop our handles, get on out of here, let the people enjoy the rest of their weekend and this week leading ahead to the Eagles game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. And you can also follow the show at OKD Podcast. Thank you again so much for listening, and we will be back next week. Bye-bye.